This is Dojo Live, Tech Without Borders, stories that bring us together. Hello, everyone. Good afternoon, and welcome to one more episode of Dojo Live, the future from those creating it. And well, joining me, joining me today from our Chihuahua office is my fellow teammate, uh, Mariel Navarro. Mariel, it's a pleasure to have you here as ever. So thank, thank you for the short notice. Okay, yeah, it's good to have you here, Mariel, as, as, as ever. So, and last but not least, uh, I would like to welcome our guest. Uh, his name is Dimitri Shapiro. He is the CEO and co-founder of Golmeta.io. And uh, it's a pleasure to have you here, Dimitri, uh, and an honor. Welcome to today's conversation on Dojo Live. Thanks so much, Carlos. Absolutely. It's, it's a pleasure. So, Dimitri, um, first of all, one of the things that I would like to do, well, what I usually do with our guests is start with the beginning. So tell us about, before we get into today's uh, topic, tell us about you a little bit about you and also, of course, a little bit about Gometa, and then we'll move on to today's topic. Sure. So um, I, I was born in Russia and, uh, and moved to the United States when I was 10 years old in, in 1979. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I was uh, 14 years old, I, I went to the movie theater and I saw this movie, uh, War Games, mm -hmm. uh, with Matthew Broderick and, and yes. came home. And, and instantly said to my parents, I, I need a computer. Uh, now, we, yeah. we, we were quite poor, so I didn't get a computer right away. Uh, so I, I spent my teen uh, years uh, between the little computer lab in our, in our high school, and, and later on, I, I got a, a computer of my own, an Apple II. And it was just fascinated by this ability to be able to create something tangible uh, out of writing words you know on, on a keyboard mm -hmm. and you, you could create logic and you could create interaction you could create all of this and then uh ended up studying electrical engineering in college uh although i've never done a day of electrical engineering and then you know since graduating college many many years ago now uh i w was a, an engineer i worked as a developer writing software uh i was a product manager uh, at Google uh, most recently. I was the chief technology officer of MySpace Music, which is the joint venture between MySpace and, and the music labels. And then I, I founded uh, two other venture-backed companies. One was a enterprise software cybersecurity company called Aconix Systems. Uh, raised $34 million for that in venture capital. And and, and built that and, and then moved on, had replaced myself with another CEO and sort of let that, that ship continue to sail. After five years, I left to start another company called VO Networks. And it was one of the early major competitors to YouTube, uh, raised $70 million for that seven zero and um, oh. ended up getting sued out of existence uh, by uh, Universal Music Group, the world's largest music company. Oh. So, yeah, sued us for copy, <laughs> copyright infringement. We ended up winning a lawsuit, winning two appeals, uh, but they still basically forced us into bankruptcy. So it was an ugly story. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I, I was, I was just, you know, I was still getting into the story, which 
and you suddenly stopped, and I was like, "Hey, can you tell me more? I mean, what can what can we learn about all this?" Oh well, you, yeah, there, there's there's so much stuff to, to to learn. You could do many podcasts just about that. Um, uh, the most important thing to learn is that after you go up in a rocket like that, and then that rocket crashes, in you know, in this big grandiose way, that you learn to stand back up and dust yourself off. And, and go do it again. And you do it again and again and again. And by the way, I think this is sort of an important part of what I want to talk about later in my talk of like how we should start thinking about app development and, and how we might not be thinking about it in the right way uh, at mm -hmm. this time, which is what my current company focuses on. The company is called GoMeta, uh, but we have a platform called Koji, which mm -hmm. uh, is meant to allow more people to be able to create um apps uh web apps basically so that can run on the web can run on any mobile phone etc and and we make tools that make it much easier much faster m more accessible okay i was gonna say i mean i just could i i kind of refrain myself from, from doing so but i was gonna say greetings professor falcon <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, it's still one of my all-time favorite <laughs> movies. And my kids are, are too young to appreciate it yet, but I look forward to watching it with them when they're they're older. Well, maybe you can sit down with them and say, "Shall we play a nice game of chess?" And then we'll go. <laughs> uh, you're uh, probably you know, Maria, you know what movie we're talking about. Uh, no. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's just a you know a couple of old guys stuff talking about. Okay, yeah. Uh, well, I would like to uh, move on to today's chosen topic, and which I believe that it's disrupting app development. It can go on like this, so I'm kind of intrigued. Why did you choose this particular topic? Mm -hmm. So, was what I was mentioning. I started programming in 1984, and and at that time there were challenges to programming and. One of the challenges was sort of the lack of, of documentation, availability of, of uh, training materials that would sort of take you up the ramp of learning to code. And, and so uh, you sort of had to learn to do it by meeting somebody else that knew how to do it and spending some time with them being able to ask questions of them, in a sense, sort of a mentorship. Uh, today, we live in a world where there's incredible amounts of information and you can learn to do anything you want, certainly. Uh, some of the best developers I've ever worked with are completely, you know, self-taught developers. And while today the kinds of things people can develop are are so sort of incredibly rich and so powerful are sort of the capabilities of developers, development itself has actually gotten a lot more complicated. Uh, I'll, I'll give you by example what I mean. Uh, I remember standing in line in August of 1995 uh, to buy a copy of Windows 95 operating system. Speaking of old guys, right? And, and, <laughs> and, and it went on sale uh, at midnight. And so people camped out. I, I spent seven hours in line waiting to get my copy of Windows 95. And it sort of felt like, like the lines, you see the runs, you see it like Walmart. On, on Black Friday, you know, or American mm -hmm. holiday. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah. and, and uh, uh, 
And that's because software was packaged and we had to go get it and then we had to install it. Mm -hmm. And then the internet sort of came about and all of a sudden software was available on demand. We could just download a binary to install something in our computer. And then mm -hmm. as the web got more and more pop, uh, powerful and the browsers and capabilities of JavaScript and APIs and all of these things, software became not something we download, software became a service. That's why we have this like concept of software as a service, right? It means right, right, there's right. an app running in the cloud and whenever you ask for it in your browser, it gives you the most recent copy, the most up-to-date copy, right? And, and it doesn't matter if your browser is running on your PC or your Mac or your Linux machine or any of your phones or your TV, like so many devices now have mm -hmm. a browser. It doesn't matter as long as your browser supports, you know, standards, uh, HTML, CSS, JavaScript, basically, then these apps are running cross-platform. And then, you know, everything was going great. Uh, and then Steve Jobs, you know, decided to kind of throw a throw a wrench into it, right? When when he decided to announce that on this amazing new device, the iPhone, the smartphone that has a browser and you can browse the internet on your phone, that was mm -hmm. amazing. But the, this thing was also going to have an app store, and and there were going to be these apps that you could install. And mm -hmm. by the way, this app store was going to be a proprietary app store. Uh, and you'd need to submit your apps into a queue to get, you know, vetted and approved mm -hmm. or not. Sometimes they didn't get approved. And you had to write a different language, Objective-C. And today mm -hmm. that sort of transferred to Swift. Mm -hmm. uh, and, then, and then Google showed up and said, oh, okay, let's make this even harder. Let's create another platform called Android. And it's nothing like iOS other than they're sort of both mobile platforms. But this one too has an app store. But the languages you have to write for this one are Java, and now that's switching to a language called Kotlin. And so now, if I'm just a regular entrepreneur that just wants to launch some simple business, some application, I have to write for the web. I have to write for the mobile web. I have to write for Android. I have to write for iOS. I need to know all of those languages, do all of that work, and then when I want to change anything, I have to change it across all those platforms. How is that uh, uh, scalable? How, how is that possible? It's not. And so more and more, we're seeing continued and, and expanding shortages of developers. Uh, I can't tell you how many people I know that are looking for a technical co-founder to start their business. They have some money. They have knowledge of a space. They have an idea, but they can't bring that idea to life because development is so hard, takes so long, and there are so few developers that are doing it that these people, even with money and initiative and amazing stuff, can't do it. And it's getting harder and harder every day, so how do we move on? So this is a problem. I mentioned that I spent four years at Google uh, prior to this. I left in yeah. August of 2016. and. And, and many times was I in conversations you know, inside of Google about like, how do we solve this kind of a problem? Like th this is too difficult. There's tremendous amount of friction in the app stores. You, you have to get listed, you have to get found, you have to get the user to install something, you gotta get them to accept all these parameters, you gotta get them to create accounts. And like all of these things was known friction at Google and Google has been trying 
multiple initiatives to deal with this, right? One initiative is called Android Instant Apps, uh, which takes a standard Android app and the developer can take it and sort of break it up into smaller pieces that, that could be downloaded progressively uh, as somebody tries to use it. So it makes it faster to be able to start using an app. Um, and another very powerful initiative, which I believe is the future of app development, uh, are called progressive web apps, PWAs. And progressive web apps are just uh, web apps. They're just HTML, CSS, and JavaScript um, with a couple of additions. There's an addition of a, a file that's called a manifest file that basically tells the browser that this indeed is a PWA. Here's its name. Here's its icon. It can be installed on the user's home screen directly from the browser, completely bypassing either the iOS or the Android App Store. Mm -hmm. uh, and then another technology called Service Workers, which allows those apps to behave like native apps so that you can, you can cache data on the user's uh, phone so these apps can work partially offline. They can be extremely responsive. They have access to sensors uh, on the devices, and so they can, they can do all kinds of things that native apps can do. Uh, and they're much smaller in size. Uh, they're typically less than a tenth the file size of a native app. Uh, you get them for free, basically, as you create web apps. And so you only now need to create once, and you get everything. And if you need to modify something, well, you only need to modify one code base. That's manageable. One person can do that. One person being able to do all that other stuff I told you is absurdly rare. In fact, I don't know of a single person, personally that can do all of that. So you always need multiple developers around to deal with that. I, I hope that makes sense. Yeah, it certainly does. And, and I, I, assume that, I assume that Mariel might have a whole bunch of really burning questions, right, Mariel? <laughs> Not too many, but yeah. <laughs> please, please. Well, first off, um, to be honest, I got into, into Koji, I started like, playing around, and I was wondering, uh, do you know of any any other companies that are doing the same? Any competitors that you might have? To what Koji is doing? Yes. Um, so the short answer is uh, we don't know of anybody doing anything like this. Um, the longer answer is if you look at Koji, you will start to see that in a sense it's a combination of things that, that exist already. For example, if you took GitHub and you allowed the developers that are hosting their repositories there to specify the the not only sort of licensing terms of this but also make it into a marketplace where they could sell templates where they could say for you to clone this template is going to cost you five dollars twenty dollars twenty thousand dollars depending on the template so you could say part of koji is like a github we run our own git server and and so these templates that are inside of koji are are just git repositories uh, then we add to it uh, state-of-the-art um, IDE, right, editor. Uh, that's the only thing that we did not uh, write ourselves within Koji. Uh, it's an open source project from Microsoft called Monaco. Uh, it's what the sort of two of the fastest growing editors in the space, um, Adam and VS Code, both of them are built on top of this Monaco editor. So we use that in the cloud. We take advantage of of the ability to be able to, to, to spin up EC2 instances on Amazon programmatically and then uh, 
spin up on top of them Docker containers with images of these templates. So again, all of these technologies are, are newish technologies. Some of them didn't exist just a few years ago, or at least weren't so accessible. And we put them all together to create an environment. And we sort of didn't talk about Koji yet, right? Like maybe I can take a step back and tell yes. our listeners kind of what, what the point is of Koji. So, so, you know, I just got done sort of on my rant of telling you that like it takes too long, costs too much, uh, uh, and it's so difficult to create all of these apps, native apps, mobile apps, et cetera, um, uh, desktop, et cetera. And so we, our company, um, has a platform that tries to address those issues. Uh, one of the ways it does it is by recognizing that when we, when we developers meet people out in the street and they tell us about the idea for an app that they have, almost always they describe that idea by comparison to something else. They say it's like Airbnb, but for people that have you know, music recording studios at their home. It's like Uber for dog walking. It's like Twitter, but different in this way, right? It, uh, it's like this game, but I would change these things about it. Almost always, it's it's something that exists, and they want to make it different, right? And and so we lean into that, and and we say, let's create a marketplace for developers to create app templates for the purpose of those app templates being cloned by makers, as we call them, and then customized. So if I, let's say, wanted to create something like Twitter, but only restricted that only people who went to my university, which is Georgia Tech, that only people who could authenticate with a georgiatech.edu email address. I just want Twitter for Georgia Tech faculty, staff, alumni, students. I can easily do that. And indeed, within Koji today, we have a template called Microblog. It is a Twitter clone. And you can clone it, and 30 seconds later, you get a development environment with your own instance of Twitter. You can modify it, some things without even touching code by changing some global strings and, and, and picking some colors and such. And some things you know you do in code, but they might be trivially simple, like this example I'm giving you. Uh, I do demos where I launch a new Twitter in less than five minutes that's restricted to Georgia cool. Tech. <laughs> yeah. right? And so that's a that's a big difference in dynamics because if you came to me today and said, "Listen, Dimitri, you're a developer. I want to build something like Twitter. How much would it cost, and how long would it take?" Well, the statistics out there say that the average uh, cost to get an an app to market, to get an MVP, minimum viable product, is uh, three hundred thousand to a million dollars, and it takes six months to a year. And out of that, uh, more than 80% of those projects fail. They never even launch. They just get close to launching. But by then, you know, in a year, the industry has moved. It's, you no longer want to launch that because you want to launch something else. So you ran out of money or time or whatever. And, and, and so the dynamics here are dramatically different. And we think if we can lower that, by the way, Koji does a bunch of other stuff. It does deployment automation. It's collaborative. So multiple people can work together on the same code base, kind of like Google Docs. So yes, there are pieces of it that exist around, but certainly we, we know of nothing that sort of gives you this template marketplace, full uh, stack development environment, deployment automation, monetization, all kinds of other things that are, that are in it. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 
if I could inject into that, uh, think about it like this. And again, maybe it's because I spent five years of my life really focused on the space. You know, when, when I first started pitching um, venture capitalists that I want to make it easy for anyone to broadcast video, this was in January of 2005, four months before YouTube launched in April of 2005. And, and VCs looked at me and said, I don't understand. This seems like a solution looking for a problem. Like, who wants to broadcast video? I don't think I know anybody <laughs> who wants to broadcast okay. But by the way, at that time, that wasn't crazy. They were right. I, too, only knew a few people. Uh, but And at that time, nobody was doing it because it wasn't it didn't make sense to do it. And, and I believe that if you lowered the friction, if you allowed anyone to do it, that they would potentially start slowly with some stupid stuff, like stupid cat videos, you know, funny cat videos. And over time, those things got better and better. It's like evolution, right? And, and things combined and people learn from each other. Now we have YouTube, the second largest search engine in the world, arguably re the repository of everything. And by the way, in the last three years, a bunch of surveys have been done asking high school students what they want to be when they grow up. You know, back in the day, the answers were, I want to be a doctor, a lawyer, a movie star, a professional footballer, whatever. The number one answer the last three years is I want to be a YouTuber. Not I want to be a celebrity, not I want to be an actor. I want to be a YouTuber. And so it's funny, looking back now, who yeah, wants to broadcast? Yeah. Everyone wants to broadcast. And then the other thing they would say is like, yeah, but like who wants to watch amateur produced video? Like even if you could get people to create it, like who, want, who would watch that? Like it's going to be garbage. Like you need a lot of money, time, talent, equipment, whatever to create good content. You can't just like point the camera at something, right? Like you couldn't like point the camera at a box that you just got from Amazon and like just open it up and have people watching it, right? Like that would be stupid. And by the way, if you would have told me that, then I would have said, yes, that is stupid. Uh, but as you, you're laughing, obviously, you know what I'm talking about, yeah. right? Yeah, or, absolutely. Or, or watch other people play video games, not play them, but watch them play them as in Twitch, right? Like some things even I did not predict would happen. Anyway, Koji is trying to do the same thing for apps. Think of them as like mini apps, as, 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 as easy to create applications that run everywhere. And if you make it so trivially easy and fast and cheap, and for more people to do it, millions more, orders of magnitude more, then they start off with initially making stupid games, which is what's happening now. And we've been in beta for a month and a half. We've already seen evolution where it started with completely trivial, stupid games. They then became a little bit better, then they became a lot better. And now every day I come in and I'm like, okay, this is freaking incredible. Like I, I did not predict this, and it's a month and a half into beta of this product. And so we're, we're a bit excited about watching this community play around with this primordial soup of creating interactive apps. Yeah, I, I still remember back uh, many years ago when Twitter just came out. I mean, people were saying like, what? What do you mean you can actually say something in 120 characters? Come on, that's got to be stupid, right? And there you have it. <laughs> so things do change. I oh, know, wait a minute, 120, no, I said it's 140. Mm -hmm. uh, well, uh, Dimitri, listen, um, uh, I have a, uh, a question uh, and, I'm, and I, it kind of takes me back to the topic. You're talking about disrupting app development. Uh, 
And of course, my question is <clears throat> founded more on the on the on, on the business side of the equation, right? Because I'm, as I mentioned before, I'm really not an engineer uh, as Mariel is. So my question would be: You're talking about disrupting app development. In that sense, uh, how do you how do you go about disrupting? such a, an ubiquitous or such a competitive, how do you go about a competitive world, competitive space with so many apps, so many tools out there? How do you, how do you go about ma maintaining a competitive edge against all these other possibilities out there? So mm -hmm. I am kind of curious if you can enlighten me, I would appreciate it. Of course. Uh, well, the first way that, that you do it is, is you don't compete with them. You enable them, right? Uh, mm -hmm. I, I'm a big fan of this martial art called Aikido, right? And, mm -hmm. and in it, in, instead of sort of pushing back against the opponent, when they come at you, you pull at them instead of push them away and you uh -huh. use their energy along with them. And that's our strategy here as well. We're not competing in a sense with anything people are doing. Okay. We're allowing people to write the same language that they've been writing, HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. Mm -hmm. we're, we're leaning into progressive web apps, and so any app that's created on Koji is a progressive web app, which is state-of-the-art technology. All signs point to it being at least the near future of, of mobile apps and, and apps in general, uh, mm -hmm. with native apps sort of losing ground to, mob uh, to progressive web apps. There have now been many articles that have been written about this, so your audience can go and check it out. Uh, I don't have to teach them about that. There's lots of documentation there. In fact, a lot of studies even showing that progressive web apps perform better than native apps in certain applications. There's a Twitter progressive web app study that's been done. Their mm -hmm. PWA performs much better than native. Tinder did the same study. That did it as well. In all developing markets, that you anyway, so you get you get the point uh, uh, there, and and so we're leaning into all of these technologies. What Koji does is it says that if we create a marketplace for for senior developers to do what they do best, which is create the 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 app itself, create the the in this case Twitter. I was giving an example. Write a Twitter clone, right, and create it. That's a lot of work. It, it requires you to be a senior full-stack developer to be able to do it, do it in a scalable fashion, yada, yada. And then to that, abstract certain customizable things that you know might be most often customized by somebody who would want to make something like Twitter. Like, what would they want to customize? Obviously, they want to customize the name, the logo, the, all of the colors on it, uh, you know, privacy policy, terms of use, whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and still give them access to all the code, so it's not restricted by that. Um, that the that the developers that are in high demand could do that hard job. It's basically specialization, and so they do the hard job of creating the the shell, the the thing itself. And then more junior developers can take this very hard thing, clone it, add to it, which is do more junior work to customize it to the client's needs or to their own needs, etc. Right. And, and and there are many more of those people than there are these people. So it extends mm -hmm. how many people could actually work on creating a new Twitter, a new Airbnb, or a new whatever. Or again, even more simply, if it's games, and we've got now, uh, I think, close to two dozen games that are in Koji, these things don't even uh, require that you be a junior developer to customize them. You can customize them without even touching any code. But a senior developer had to have built a template to make that work. Mm -hmm. uh, but today, senior developers have to build everything because even to customize things, 
to, to spin up mm -hmm. a project and take a game and customize it today requires that you be a developer. And then to deploy it, to put it into production, well, that's a whole other specialty known as, you know, DevOps. Mm -hmm. and, and so, you know, Google, there are, you know, hundreds, if not thousands, actually, I'm sure it's thousands of people that, that are called SREs, Site Reliability Engineers. Mm -hmm. And their sole job is not to write code that makes the thing work. Their sole job is keeping the thing, is, is deploying it, keeping it operating, scaling, et cetera. And Koji does that thing for you automatically, right? And, and, and so it just creates a much larger pool of potential creators, mm -hmm. developers, makers, consumers, remixers, whatever. I see. Oh, well, uh, you know what? Uh, we're approaching the final minutes of uh, today's conversation. So I would like to take advantage of those. And uh, well, uh, I would like to pass on the mic to Mariel. Mariel, do you have any other questions for Dmitry about today's chosen topic? Uh, well, just one final question uh, related to maybe limitations or any challenges that you have, and how are you addressing those? I'm sorry, the limitations of the platform or limitations of running a startup or? <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> well, maybe like maybe the, the project in general, like for example, in regards to of, of of people uh, working on it, adopting it. I see. Yeah, great question. Uh, so we have a, a small core team of people here. Uh, there's 10 of us now uh, that are working on this. Um, but, but the point of Koji is to foster a community of developers that are creating templates, makers that are taking those templates, cloning them and creating apps, and then you know, consumers you know, that, are, that are playing with those apps. Um, and so we have a community growing across all those you know, uh, uh, types of, of people. Uh, there are uh, hundreds now, uh, under a thousand, but hundreds of developers that are uh, that we know of that are creating templates. Some templates have already been approved. And so we've got about three dozen templates in the store now. Uh, we think we'll break a hundred in, in a matter of a couple of weeks. Uh, and, and that's accelerating. Uh, over, over 300 developers have contacted me over the last three days. We actually put an ad up on, on Stack Overflow that we're looking for developers. And that's been very successful in getting a bunch of people to show up and say, oh, wow, this is really interesting. So we think that's happening. Uh, we've seen a number of success stories already on the, um, on the maker side. Uh, so uh, there are people who are actually starting small businesses uh, where they will be creating um, games, in this case, for special occasions for uh, birthdays, weddings, Father's Day. And, and so this woman that's starting business actually made an app for me for Father's Day because I've got three young kids. And it's a game made on Koji. And she's a, she's a non-techie. She's in the insurance business. Uh, but Koji has enabled her to be an app maker and to start a business. Uh, there's another one. There's a talent agent for a YouTube personality that created a little Candy Crush game for her. And she posted it on Instagram. And 25,000 people showed up and, and played that game. And, and, and he did it in 15 minutes and said, wow, that's amazing. What could I do in 30 minutes? You know? and, and so we're starting to see these kinds of, uh, of success stories precipitate out. And then we're seeing tons of what I mean in, 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 in the most glorious way, what I would call incredibly amazing, stupid ideas. 
right? <laughs> Meaning they, cool. they are they are wonderful. Sorry. They are mm -hmm. the kinds of things that would have never, ever, 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 ever been created because nobody would have done them. No developer would have chosen to build something like that. Nobody that's not a developer could have even attempted it. But now you've got like kids that are showing up, you know, teenagers, and, and they're creating apps and they're creating games. And I as an adult look at them and I say, I guess I get it, what, what they're trying to do. And it's amazing. It's not something I would have created. But that's what's beautiful about it. It's the long tail. Just like we have a long tail of video, we're starting to see the beginnings of a long tail of apps. Dimitri, um, we're about to wrap up today's conversation. So and, and just please note that a lot of our viewers are uh, software engineers, software developers, and interested in developing apps or games. And we also have uh, maybe entrepreneurs in tech. For all, for all these viewers, what would you, I, I would like to ask you if you had any words of wisdom to share with them in terms of uh, going about you know, the entrepreneurial way or, or even about engineering itself. What, what words of wisdom would you, sh would you like to share with our audience today? Um, keep moving, no matter what, uh, no matter how many times you fall, I mean, the, this, this might sound cheesy because you'll find this on like whatever posters, <laughs> but it's, it's super important. Uh, you're gonna fail, uh, more than likely you're gonna fail, and more than likely you're gonna fail a lot, uh, but you have to keep going. Uh, while you're going, go as quickly as you possibly can. Uh, take lots of risks, mm -hmm. explore lots of ideas, get them in front of users as rapidly as possible and as inexpensively as possible. Uh, don't get stuck on one thing. If it's not working, try something else. You know, people get sort of married to their ideas. And I've seen some entrepreneurs, you know, spent 10 years, 20 years on this idea. I'm like, Dude, I mean, we've known for 20 years, this was a cool idea, but it was a bit off. Like, why are you spending 20 years on it? Mm -hmm. Don't do that. Um, uh, if you don't know how to code, try to learn to code. It's a very valuable skill. Not everybody needs to know how to code well, but knowing how to code a little bit uh, lets you talk to your engineers better. And that's mm -hmm. super important, even if you're not building these things. Uh, look out for tools. Obviously, that's what uh, gokoji.com tries to do is to create a tool that lets you do those things much faster, easier, and throw more stuff at the wall. By the mm -hmm. way, specifically if it's like entertainment type stuff, if it's like games you're creating, nobody knows what game is going to be successful. I mean, Flappy Bird was successful. Would Flappy Duck have done as well? Nobody knows. It's a, it's a matter of luck primarily with a bit of you know, good engineering and skill. It's like, to, in my mind, it's like 99% luck with 1% engineering and skill. And great, and if that's the case, then make it a function of how many times can you, you know, put, put uh, shots on goal, right? Or, or shoot at the target or throw stuff at the wall. If you can do that many, 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 many times, you have a much larger chance of aligning, you know, the perfect storm of, of things coming together. Mm -hmm. and, and things taking off. And I see people moving slowly. They, they look at it more like sort of like aiming a sniper rifle at something. And, and they'll sit there for, you know, months, years, like I said, sometimes over a decade, and, and aim at this thing instead of just shoot, 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 right? Uh -huh. uh, 
anyway, uh, sorry to blast you with all of these different metaphors for this. No, game. that's that's perfect. Actually, that's where that's what we're here for to share all these pearls of wisdom with our audience as we wrap up today's conversation. Um, the only thing left for me to do, uh, Dimitri, is well, of course, uh, thank you big time for having been with us today. And before we go, I would like just to make a little uh, quick announcement for next week. Next week, folks, uh, uh, here here on Dojo Live by Mearsoft, we're going to be speaking with uh, Mr. John Mora. Uh, he's the vice president of data science at a company called Zephyr, which is a video ad te tech company. And uh, we're, we're going to be talking about building a data product. So that should be interesting. So join us next Wednesday, same time, 1 Pacific, 3 Central, and for a conversation with John Moore from Zephyr, Zephyr, Zephyr sorry, building a data product. And with that being said, again, uh, Dimitri, again, thank you so much for having joined us today on Dojo Live. It was a pleasure, an honor to have you here. And of course, Mariel. As ever, uh, thank you big time for you. hosting, co-hosting so graciously. Um, see you next time, folks, right here on Dojo Live, the future from those creating it. Stick around. Uh, uh, don't go, Dimitri. We'll talk a little bit uh, just to wrap up. Bye. <laughs>